you will, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And while you're turning there, I just do want to say uh, for myself and Charlene that, that thank you. Uh, it was more incredible than we could ever imagine. It was uh, a, a great time that God allowed us to think on things and, and uh, answer questions and look to the future of things of our church and, and Christianity and, and our culture. I'm excited about the possibilities of our future, and I um, thank you for being so kind to let us go and provide the way. It truly was a time of rest and renewal, and um, I was, the Lord reminded me of many things. I don't believe anything's accidental or just haphazard when it happens. There's a, there's a purpose, and it has a meaning, and um, as we took these five weeks, I, and I thought as I was... Uh, Sitting by the pool ordering Dose Diet Coke. They don't have Diet Coke. They have Coke Light. That was a problem for a couple of days. Diet Coke. No Diet Coke. No Diet Coke. Coke Light. Coke Light. And so, um, but uh, we uh, just there relaxing and, and, and spending time together and talking about much. And, and uh, God reminded me, uh, again, how good and gracious and loving he is. We, my first years in the pastorate, I was bivocational which meant I had a full-time job. Actually, it was a six-hour-a-week job. And then I pastored a church in Paulding County. I drove an hour one way to get there, and it was great. But they, they had a small, it was small, seven people. We first year, we just, you know, first three years, didn't even draw any kind of salary, didn't need that. I was very well compensated at work. But I would take my vacation weeks. I had two where I worked, and I would take them to do youth camps and mission trips each year. And so the first year, we didn't do anything at the church. But after that, we began to add a camp. And then we added a camp and a mission trip. And the Lord reminded me, I remember taking those. And the company, I, I would take them. As a matter of fact, the company uh, was, was, would oftentimes pay trips. And, and, uh, so, uh, but, but I didn't, didn't get to do that. But what we did do was uh, uh, we'd take our time. And so Shawnee would spend her vacation at Camp Lee in Anniston, Alabama with the youth. And that's kind of how we'd spend our vacation time. Uh, and it's okay because this man is investing in the kingdom. God reminded me this, these past few weeks. He said, now, son, you gave me five weeks. I want you to know I've given back to you more than you imagine. And he did. Man, I had a ball. I'm just going to tell you I had a ball. Uh, I don't make you feel bad, but I had a great time. I mean, really. I, I didn't want for anything. I was treated like a king. Uh, and uh, thank you. I want to say thank you so much for allowing us to enjoy that. And experienced that. And uh, it was just good. I got to tell you, you were a partnership in, in what we did down there. Because I really got to talk to some people. And got to with my first day in Mexico. got to talk to a guy about the Lord. Uh, a cab driver. And that was pretty neat. And and uh, his name was Roberto. And he, after we got through talking, said, I want you to pray for him. My wife is a Christian. So is my daughter. But I'm not. He said, I got a pastor that keeps telling me that Christos loves me. And I said, I understand that. And I said, well, you got to do something about that. He loves you, but that won't save you. Uh, and so... Uh, you need to respond to that love and by faith. And so we talked for a while. And he said, he left me and said, Pastor, he was very gracious, very gracious. Pastor, would you pray for me and ask your church to pray for me? And I, yes, sir, we will. Pray for you. So I believe when Roberto gets saved. I do. I do. But thank you because you, you, allow, you allow me to be a part of that. And you're part of that. And we got to talk to some other people, witness and share and give counsel. And, uh, I mean, when you don't get to preach for five weeks, you try to find anybody to talk to. And just if they'll listen to you for a few minutes, you know. But uh, we had a ball. Thank you. And uh, God is so good to use you to bless me the way that he did. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Very simple verse, isn't it? I think it speaks to one of the greatest needs that perhaps we have in the Christian community today and the challenge we have before us as a Christian community. As a denomination in Southern Baptist life, as a church in our own community here, First Baptist Lindale, our Christianity in general. I think it speaks to a great need. A CEO brought his, brought his managers together, his sales staff together to have a, a big meeting and, and kind of get them fired up for the next quarter. And he brought them in. He said, guys, I'm glad you're here. We're excited about what's happening in our company. We, who has the best dog food in the country? They said, oh, we do, we do. Ours is the best. Yay! Who has the best sales force? We are. We're the best sales force. Yay, we got it. They're clapping and applauding. Who has the best management? We do. Who, who has the greatest advertisement? Oh, we've got the greatest advertisement. And they're all excited, fired up, swinging from the chandeliers, if you will. And then he said, i got to ask you a question. If we're the greatest in all this, and we're the best, why are we number 17 out of 18 dog companies in sales? And a young guy who didn't know any better said, the dogs don't like our dog food. <laughs> Guys, I want to tell you something. We've been looking at the convention that was talked about and discussed. It's been discussed in many meetings I've been a part of these past few months of the fact that as a denomination, we're not growing, we're not reaching people. We've reached less than 4% of this age group right here in the country. Less than 4%. The world doesn't like what they see. It's not the fact they don't really have a problem with Jesus. But they see how we live and how we treat one another. And they don't like that. We say these great things, but they don't see them in the reality of our lives. They don't like what they see. We're having to deal with that. They hear us say one thing and oftentimes do another. I want to talk about freedom. We talk about having freedom in Christ, yet I'm convinced that many, many believers struggle with this genuine freedom. Because there's something that holds us captive on the inside. Nobody may see it or know it but you as your own personal individual self and understand and realize it. But it's there. And it holds you captive. You know it holds you captive because sometimes it surfaces in the middle of the night. It raises your blood pressure. <laughs> it causes you to have indigestion. It gets your adrenaline going and your imagination running. Apostle Paul said, be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to one another. It is, number one, a mandate. I want to talk to you about the freedom of forgiveness today. I believe it is the key to successful Christian living like none other. I think it holds something in, in the way of blessing for us that sometimes we do not realize and sometimes we 
cut ourselves off from. So I want to talk about this for a moment. <coughs> Excuse me. I haven't preached in five weeks. I'm having to watch my time because I'm liable to go longer than I should. Now here's the thing. We want to talk about this freedom in forgiveness. The first thing I want you to see is it's a mandate. Though in the Greek terminology and in the, in the usage of the word to be, it means basically it's a mandate. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. It is a mandate saying, I want you to be kind, compassionate, and forgiving. The world looks at us and they want to know, where's the kindness? Where's the compassion? And where's the forgiveness? They're looking for it. We talk about it. But when they hear us talk in the office place or in the neighborhood or at the ball field, they're not hearing it. It is not, it is very familiar in our human nature to have an unforgiving spirit. It pretty much comes easy. Our culture even encourages it. But in the spiritual nature that we have as believers in Christ, an unforgiving spirit's a foreign thing. That's not normal. And he's saying, here, I want you to walk in the spiritual realm. Young people, walk in, you guys are young, you're going to get your feelings hurt. You're going to get wounded. You're going to have some bad days. Wish it wasn't so, but I, it is. If you could learn this lesson today, you'll be ahead of a lot of people. And you'll be out there in front, like in ways you can't imagine. I, I want us to look at this. It's a mandate. He said, I want you to be forgiving. Not think about it, not by might, good idea, but to be forgiving. All of us have the opportunity to be forgiven because all of us in this room have been wounded, battered, bruised, some way, somehow, by an event, by a person, by a relationship, by something that happened, maybe by a friend, maybe by a family member. It happens. Sometimes on purpose, sometimes not. But it happens. And because it happens, the Bible addressed it so we could come out of this being more than conquerors in Christ. Because here's what happens. If we harbor an unforgiving spirit, we become the victim. We become the one that's destroyed from the inside out. We are captured by our emotion, by our anger, by our bitterness, by our high blood pressure, by our adrenaline, by our sleepless nights, by our indigestion. We are held captive. And so there's a freedom that comes back and say, Lord, how do I deal with this for those who have hurt me? And I say this, it's out there. It may be 10 years ago, 15 years ago, five years ago, five days ago, five minutes ago, but it's out there. And if we're not careful, we're holding something that, that if it crosses our mind, it may have been 20 years ago, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden we can't sleep or our blood pressure rises a little bit. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. That's not how it works. So the mandate is this. Now, if I'm to have a forgiving spirit, if I'm to be desiring to forgive, it, it, it is number one, it, because it's not normal to my human nature, I have to now live in the spiritual nature that I have from my birth in Christ. And so now I, I ha- it is an issue of faith. It is an issue of faith, meaning now I've got to do something that I don't necessarily feel like doing. The feeling's not there. The emotion's not there. But the will of God is proclaimed in the Word of God. Therefore, I need to act on it because it is now beneficial and fruitful for me. So now I need to say, God, by faith, help me to forgive. By faith, help me to be kind. Help me to be compassionate. Help me to get beyond this barrier in my spiritual life because I don't want to stay here. I don't want to be self-destructive in my own life. So we had, it's an issue of faith. Now, 
That means you do things you don't feel like doing. Let me illustrate this. God, God taught me this these past few weeks uh, in an amazing way because I always think I pretty much am a person of faith and whatever, but he exposed some of my fears these past few weeks. As uh, we went to Weston, just outside of Miami, had a great time there, and that was wonderful, and it was good. And, uh, and then we were getting ready to go to, to Mexico, and Charlene done all this groundwork, done a great job. And, and I'm reading on, on the travel advisories to Mexico, which I don't recommend you do. I think you need to do that because it's good daylights out of me. I'm reading this stuff. It talks about you don't want to go to a Mexican jail because they'll take $100,000 from you. I'm going, holy cow. And, and then, you know, they got all this stuff. It talks about all this stuff. And I'm beginning to think, man, why are we going to Mexico? And I'm thinking, what has my wife done to me? Taking me to Mexico. Anyway, I'm thinking, so okay. And so we're in the airport. We're packing up. And that morning, I woke her up. We're checking out of the room. I said, I'm a little concerned about going to Mexico. Now, I really lied to her because I was worried and scared to death. I was afraid. I wasn't concerned. I said, I'm telling you, I don't know about this. And, uh, and she's in there sleeping. It ain't bothered her. I've been up an hour thinking, gosh, I don't know if I want to do this. And number one, I don't like flying. And now I've got to fly across the ocean and then go to Mexico. So it's kind of like two things I'm working on. So I'm thinking, Lord, I, so we got there, and we, she said, oh, it'll be okay. And I finally said, okay. And I got to the airport, and, I, and she, she knows. She says, are you okay? I said, no, I am not okay. I am not okay at all. I am really not sure about this. I don't want to fly, and I'm not sure I want to go to Mexico. Because you know, all I can think is, I'm going to end up in a Mexican jail. And, you know, I can't get out. And so... Uh, they're talking about corruption and stuff like this, you know. And so, and, and let me tell you, I didn't have enough information. All I'd had from the guy that we had corresponded to, to the first resort we stayed in, was that basically he sent me back about a half a page that says, when you get to the airport, there'll be a guy in a red T-shirt. Now, I want a little more information than that, quite honestly. I want to know, what's this, you know, what's his name? What's, you know, and they said, well, and they did say he had a this name or this name, but I'm thinking, suppose there's 15 guys in a red T-shirt. I mean, I don't know. So I'm really in the dark here. I'm going, oh, Lord, I don't know. And, and I'm thinking, you know, they're talking about robberies and all this kind of stuff. All this, incidentally, it doesn't matter where we're staying, but I didn't know that at the time. And so we're sitting there, and, and I'm just showing, so are you, do you want to stay here for three weeks? I said, I think I might. And I wasn't kidding. I said, I think I might. And so all of a sudden, I'm, and she says, do you need to call somebody? I said, yeah, I do. I got to call somebody. So I called David York. He travels a lot. He's been to Mexico. I said, look, tell me, Brother David, what's going to go on? He's said, oh, you're fine, man. Don't worry about it. Well, I'm ready. I'm psyched up. We're going to go. They delayed the flight an hour and a half. <sighs> now I'm thinking, is this a sign from God? Wait a minute. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I don't need to go. And so, and all of a sudden, then I'm going, okay. And, and I'm saying, Charlene, I don't think we need to go. She says, yes, we need to go. It's okay. I said, all right. And then uh, I said, okay, Lord. You know, and then they delayed it again, two delays. And I'm saying, Charlene, if they delay it third time, three strikes, we're out of here. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm already, I'm serious. I'm thinking, Lord, I don't know how to fly, but I know we've got to fly with the ocean. And, uh, and I'm thinking, man, I'd be bad if I fall in the ocean, the sharks get you. And then I'm thinking if I fell the shark, I'd be dead before the sharks got up to me. It wasn't a big deal. So I'm thinking, all right. And then I'm thinking, okay, Lord, here's what I know. And, and I'm going to tell you, I was, I was dealing with fear, which is a lack of faith and the opposite of faith. And God began to speak to my heart. Honestly, he was saying, do you realize what you're doing? You're saying you're scared of that. And I know, Lord, I am. I really am. And then he began to bring me down. He said, look, I led the church to do that. Church is provided. You're right where you're supposed to be. You're going to be okay. Now, at that point, I had the word I had to apply my faith to, 
which meant I would get on an airplane and let a guy fly me who I'd never met, didn't know about his character, his conduct, or anything else, but I was going to let him fly the plane I was in. And I hoped he was getting paid a good salary. That meant he was worth something. So I'm thinking, okay, look, I'm going to go. And then when I'm on the plane, I'm thinking, okay, if this plane goes down, if they put on and say, okay, we got trouble, we're going to go down, how much time do I have to witness these people on the airplane? I'm serious. Okay, Lord, what do I need to do? If we're going, I mean, I'm trying to cover all the bases now. I'm saying, Lord, what can I do to say, man, you got to trust in Jesus, we're going to die. <laughs> and so um, take as many women as I can to heaven. And I was scared. I don't mind telling you. I was. Lord, that's not, and he doesn't want to live that way. He wants to live free from that. That's the issue of faith. So finally, I said, we're on the plane. We're halfway there. And Sean said, you okay? And I said, I think I'm okay. I don't know. Uh, and uh, so we fly into the, the, the Cancun airport, which is a lot less than Hartsville airport. And uh, matter of fact, you see jungle all around. You're going, okay. And we fly and land, and we get through customs, and it's great. They didn't take me to jail. That was wonderful. I was thankful for that. And, and um and uh, the guy waited. He was there in a red shirt, had my name on it. He got me hooked up to a van, which Roberto drove. And they had us signed in. We would sign. They took care of us. Uh, everybody knew where we were, where we were supposed to be. We had to sign at the gate. It was incredible. Extremely safe. Wonderful. Great. But uh, I had to deal with my fear. And I want to tell you, no matter what our issues in spiritual life are, fear is one of the things we must battle. And sometimes that forgiveness says, Lord, if, I, if I, I'm afraid what will happen if I forgive. I'm afraid that, 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 that this will take place or this will be said or this won't be done or the books won't be settled. Let me tell you what. When I learn to forgive by faith, it doesn't matter if the books are settled. I leave that to God. I ain't got to worry about that. I leave that to him. Just like I left the pilot to him that, that flew me to Mexico and the one that flew me back to Atlanta. Just like I left to him the fact that I'm going to, hey, I'm going to get on somebody's van in Mexico. I hope it's the right one. But, Lord, I'm trusting you. That's the issue of faith. Fear is always the opposite of faith. And he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. So I need to know that that's not of God. So now when I approach these things called being kind and compassionate and forgiving, Sometimes it takes the issue of faith. I must do it, not because I feel like it. I want to tell you, I went to Mexico, and she can tell you, I didn't feel like going for about, about 10 hours. But I went, and it's purely by faith. Begin to believe, God, I think you provided this. You've given it, and boy, he did. He didn't provide a great weather. Everything was perfect. Ate and didn't gain weight. I mean, you talk about a great vacation. Relaxation, renewal, time to research, study. All that was good. But uh, here's what I want you to know. It's an issue of faith. I must do it by faith, not by feeling, not by emotion. I must also, it's an issue of fellowship. If I want to have fellowship with God in the fullness of that, I must walk by faith and I must do what he asked me to do, which is to forgive. If I do not forgive, the people around me that have not hurt me, that have not wounded me, will begin to suffer for my unforgiving spirit. Because if I do not forgive as I should, all of a sudden the bitterness wells up and overflows on people that have never done anything to me. And they now pay for it. And I pay for it. And the fellowship is lost. And the times when I should be enjoying God's presence, I'm now worried about something, mad about something, angry about something, blood pressure about something, and I'm not having fellowship with God. That's not what he wants us to do. And we all know, we all been there. And all, you know, we've had people that have said, man, they, you, the name crosses your mind and your blood pressure goes up 10 points. 
You wake up in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden you can't go back to sleep because now you're mad because of what this person said, done, or whatever. He said, I want you to forgive. The second thing is this. He, there's a model for this. I want you to forgive just as God forgave you in Christ Jesus. Here's the model. If you want to know how you do it, here's, you do it like God did it. God said, I just forgive you. No, you don't deserve it. But here's what I want to do because I am operating in grace. And if I have received God's grace that he has forgiven me in Christ, then I need to reflect that grace to those that need forgiveness. And they may not deserve it either. Doesn't matter. Grace doesn't have to operate through what we deserve. Guys, if we all got what we deserve from God, we'd all be in hell with a broken back. Understand that. I mean, I'm enjoying the benefits of God's grace, not its justice. And so, as I realize this, I need to be reflecting this. If I receive that amazing grace, then I need to reflect this grace that people say, well, that's amazing. No, that's God. Ain't me, it's God. I don't want to do it, but God's helped me do it. And he's equipped me to do it. And so, I understand the model is there in Christ because God's grace was at the cross. At the cross, he showed his grace to do what I did not deserve. And, and he paid a price for me. At the, and there's also not only the cost but God, uh, the, the, the cross, but there was God's love in the cost of the cross, which was his son. And so I realized that now, because grace and love come together, we operate differently from our natural humanity and our, and our culture even. And we go, you know, let's be honest. We all know we're a New Testament church and we operate under grace, but a lot of us like to apply that Old Testament passion, eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, and all that kind of stuff, okay? Uh, we kind of like to apply that. No. He said, I want you to forgive. I want you to let go. Now, what does forgiveness mean? It means that I'm going to release the right for retribution. I'm going to release the right for getting even, for selling the score. I'm going to trust God with that. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm say, God, be as gracious to them as you have been to me. That's forgiveness. Now, let me tell you, forgiveness doesn't automatically restore trust. Trust has to be earned. You know? If you steal from me, I'm going to forgive you, but I ain't going to give you the key to my house. You've got to earn that. Understand that. There may be a process of building the bridge back. But forgiveness says, I am now releasing the, re- the, the right to retaliate. The Indians had a ritual when they would come together and make peace with an enemy or a foe. And they would literally bury the hatchet. We've heard that phrase, let's bury the hatchet. That's a real thing the Indians used to do. Meaning I'm, I'm releasing my right to raise a weapon against you. Now the model is God said, I'm, I'm, I'm really in Christ. I'm releasing my right to judgment on you and condemnation in Christ. Now, the good news is if you've come to Christ, as you've watched those we baptized today, and perhaps you've done that, uh, you've given your heart to Christ, you, you operate under God's grace. Judgment is not over you. Condemnation is not a part of your life. But, my friend, if you've never given your heart to Christ, if you've never been saved, you're under condemnation. God now has the absolute right to judge you completely, totally, and deal with your sin apart from Christ. That's why it's important that you give your heart to Christ. 
I don't care how religious you are or what denomination you belong to or, or what you may believe in the, in the act of God or the cosmos or eternity. I'm telling you, the Bible says that there is one God. He's the creator of the universe, and the creator of the universe also is our deliverer from sin. He did it through Christ, and he's also going to be the judge in the last day, and we will all give an account. If you're under the blood of Christ, the shedding of his blood, then there's forgiveness of sins. If you've not applied that to your life by faith, you stand in the full force of God's judgment and condemnation because you've not been forgiven. But if you've been forgiven. So he says, I have forgiven you. I want you to forgive others. You've got to do that. You've got to let go. And you've got to say, but, and you say, well, I want to tell you, people are even held victim and captive by people that have are, that hurt them, and the people have died, and they still can't sleep at night because of it. You got to let go of that. There's got to be release. You can say, God, I got to forgive them. It doesn't matter if they've already gone into eternity. Lord, it doesn't matter if I got hurt 20 years ago. I need to let go of that and trust it to you. There is an that He give us a model. I, I thought it was very interesting that in. Going uh, at the age of 56, I, I got to go and have this incredible time with my wife and with the Lord. And I enjoyed it immensely. Read some things, looked at some things, thought about some things. And um, the God really ministered to me in a lot of ways. One of the things I realized as I was thinking about this and, 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 and realizing this thing called forgiveness. I'd, my dad had been wounded and battered and beaten as a pastor. Had, he just had a hard time. And um, I remember the day he walked into the house and said, I'll never go back to church again. I remember that day. I was stunned by that. But he had just been beaten up. Now, here's what I thought all these years, okay? I thought that my dad, because of being wounded and broken, self-destructed. Because he didn't self-destruct. That wasn't it. Lord taught me this just, just these last, last few days. My dad was a victim of an unforgiving spirit. That's what destroyed him. That's what destroyed him. He couldn't forgive. He chose not to forgive. He could forgive. He had the power of the spirit to forgive. He chose not to forgive. And therefore, in that unforgiving spirit, he began to self-destruct. Being destroyed from the inside out. And I finally realized, because I used to say, Lord, it just, he got so beat up. No, we all get beat up. He didn't forgive. He didn't forgive. Man, I said, Lord, I, and he didn't finish well. We're always wanting to say it's the other guy's fault. They've hurt me. They've abused me. They've misused me. They've betrayed me. They've hurt me. Yes, that's part of life. Wish it wasn't, but it is. But it's how I deal with it's important. I must say, Lord, I, I, I want you to help me forgive. Turn it over to you. I'm going to release it into your hands, into your sovereignty, into your grace, and trust you. Trust you. And then there's the last thing, and this is the memory. Because there's one word that's real important. You. Y-O-U. You see, he has 
forgave you. The memory of being forgiven. Do you remember when you experienced God's forgiveness and salvation? Is that a part of your memory? Is that part of your life? Because he said, here's what you, you should have. You should have this personal moment where God forgave you of your sin. And because you're in Christ, he continues to forgive you of your sin. And you experience, you have the memory of what it's like to say, Lord, I messed up there. I, I did something stupid. I, I thought something I shouldn't thought. I, I behaved. And Lord, I'm here because I know that it is wrong in your, your standards. Forgive me. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I remember, I remember, I know what that's like. And so I, I, that memory now encourages me to forgive others. If I remember what it's like to be forgiven, even though I don't deserve it, and I can't believe he did it one more time and one more time and one more time, but he does. And then I can say, God, I can forgive as much as I don't feel like it. Not sure I really want to, but I want you by faith to help me do this. And let me bury the hatchet. And so we have this memory that encourages us to forgive and enables us to forgive. Simply put, I believe that we are held captive by things that may have happened 15, 20 years ago. Maybe as a teenager, maybe as a child, and we have not ever released it. And it affects us. And then... When you realize the world is watching us and they see how we talk about one another and what we say to one another, how we refer to one another, they're going, I don't like what y'all talking about. I don't like what you're offering. They don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem how we reflect Jesus. Man, when you live. like it, uh, yeah. And so... I want to close with this last word. It's, I was asked to share this with you today. Uh, Brian Barkham's mom is, is, is in the hospital at Erlanger. She fell and hit her head very bad. Uh, blood has pretty much uh, saturated her head, herniated uh, Brain and it's not good. She's on life support. They're probably going to take her off of it sometime. May have already done it. And uh, she'll go into eternity. They gave no hope. There's nothing they could do. They have not done anything but say she'll be on life support for 24 hours. Brian wanted me to say, he said, make sure you let them know that each day is real important. You don't know about tomorrow. You see, he's confronting with what, what all of us, when we, we, were, we were shot by the sudden loss of someone. I wonder if I, I didn't say goodbye. I didn't say I love you. I went to bed mad. I was pouting. So many things we do because we think there's always a tomorrow. Please hear me. Sometimes there's not a tomorrow. That's why you don't keep a long list. As a matter of fact, well, that's why the Bible says don't let that... Uh, son, go down in anger. Deal with each day. Deal with it. Go to bed with a clear mind and a clear heart. Transparent before God. And say, dear Lord, here I am. Man, you need to deal with stuff today. If you've, been, if you've got that something you haven't forgiven 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 5 years ago, 5 minutes ago, you need to deal with it. You need to deal with it. Don't let that hang around. 
it's going to eat you up. It's going to eat you up. It'll affect everybody around you. Would you bow your heads with me? Heads bowed and eyes closed.